told Republicans during a closed-door meeting on uh, today, uh, just hours ago, that they are nowhere near a bipartisan deal they need to make with President Joe Biden. That according to sources. Uh, McCarthy later expressed optimism about reaching a deal in time to prevent that June 1st X, X day when uh, the economy begins to unravel and uh, Americans face all kinds of challenges like paying more money in their mortgage interest, uh, which uh, a number of Republican economists have said uh, those interest rates would be going up forever. It would be uh, one of those things where it would be very unlikely to get those interest rates declined once they go up again and impact every single American. Uh, the, um, the negotiations are continuing. Where things stand, uh, he said to reporters that we're not there yet, but a deal is always possible. And uh, Kevin McCarthy has been doing a much better job than President Biden in expressing himself and expressing optimism and saying very clearly, and the president agrees with him, that they're trying to rule out a default because that would be so destructive for the country. And uh, in the midst of that, um, the negotiations continue. The uh, key GOP negotiators not Kevin McCarthy. I think that probably means Congressman Graves of Louisiana, who is the chief negotiator along with the Speaker of the House, that uh, they say the talks are not going well uh, amid persistent disagreements on spending. Uh, one of the things that the Republicans want to do, I think, to their enormous credit and their right, is to insist that whatever cuts in spending are made are not made in national security spending, are not made in defense spending, are not made in terms of support for the military, which is necessary to protect the country. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about what all of that means with presidential historian Gil Troy a little bit later in the show, who has written about ranking all the different presidents, uh, there's no question that if we end up with a default here, it will um, be a, a, an extraordinarily black mark uh, against President Biden. I mean, it, it's, it's really on him at this point. Uh, the fact that McCarthy is willing to compromise to some extent from what the Republicans have already passed in the House that's good. So they need to get it done. And my one hope is let's hope we have some positive news before the end of the show today. Uh, tomorrow, of course, Ron DeSantis is announcing his candidacy. NBC is reporting DeSantis will announce he's running for president during a discussion with Twitter CEO Elon Musk. Uh, that's what three sources familiar with the plans told NBC News. Musk and DeSantis will host an event on Twitter Spaces, the site's platform for audio chats, uh, tomorrow at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. So right when we're getting done with this, uh, this show uh, at, at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, 3 p.m. Pacific Time. Uh, the uh, 
discussion with Elon Musk will be moderated by David Sachs, who's a tech entrepreneur, who's a Musk confidant and a DeSantis supporter. That uh, same evening, the campaign will release a new launch video. Can't wait. And DeSantis will begin visiting several early states after Memorial Day. The relationship could be a significant boost for DeSantis, NBC is writing, by giving him an introduction to and credibility with Musk's massive following, including his 140 million Twitter followers. Uh, it also kind of indicates that, uh, does it not, that DeSantis has ambitions at least to displace a Donald Trump as the king of Twitter. And I, I know the Trumpy position is that uh, you don't need Twitter anymore because we've got Truth Social and that's better. We'll be speaking with Jeffrey Lord coming up, who has been a Trump supporter since uh, before it was cool. He has uh, supported Trump for president uh, way back in the campaign of 2016. He was on TV all the time speaking for Donald Trump. He now says that the one thing that uh, Trump is finding is that the more he is attacked by Democrats, the more he is attacked by media, the stronger he gets and the bigger his lead gets in terms of the uh, polling. Uh, in terms of um, other political news, one of the uh, most respected Democratic senators, somebody who's been there for four terms and has also been the treasurer of his state, the state is Delaware, the governor of his state, he's been a congressman from his state, they only get one. Tom Carper is uh, quitting the Senate. He is not going to run for re-election. This uh, uh, creates a little bit of a challenge for Democrats. It's a very Democratic state, the state of Delaware. And especially with Joe Biden likely to be on the ballot, uh, Delaware's hometown team. I mean, the fact is it's probably going to go Democratic. But what it means is that they now have four different Democratic senators who are retiring. And that's already announced and leaving open seats. And uh, that gives the Republicans at least some opportunities, particularly in Michigan, which is a swing state. Uh, no, they're not going to be uh, um, basically uh, <laughs> Republicans making a, a credible run in California. But then again, everybody else is running in California, and it's what they call a jungle primary anyway. But uh, with all of this going on, uh, the ability for Republicans to gain that one Senate seat that they need, uh, those are real possibilities. It probably won't be with uh, Carrie Lake. She got some more bad news on her ongoing lawsuit. She still uh, refers to herself as the rightly, legally elected governor of Arizona. Well, no, sorry, she's not. And uh, with uh, all of this going on, there are a lot of people who at least want to turn to prayer. But half of Americans, according to a controversial new report that is uh, run on the Hill, it's a report from the National Opinion Research Center, very respected, only half of Americans now say that they definitely, without 
doubt or reservation, believe in God. That's the smallest proportion. It's the first time in American history that it's been down to a minority. So why do people look at these numbers and actually say, wait a minute, it shows that religious faith may actually be stronger than we thought. Uh, we will get to that on the Michael Medved show. And we'll also be talking about Target, uh, the very popular chain of stores, deciding to hire a transgendered Satanist to design a new line of pride merchandise uh, in order to honor Pride Month, which is coming up very quickly. Wasn't it going to spoil Pride Month if Pride Month begins with a uh, default uh, and uh, a collapse of the U.S. economy? No, that would not be a good thing. So we'll bring you the very latest and the commentary on the ongoing negotiations. Also, the Nazi attack on the White House last night. No, there really was. It was a guy who plowed a rented truck into the White House fence a couple of times, waving a Nazi flag. Where did he come from? Michael Medved show a follow-up to a story that we talked about a couple of days ago uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers have announced no it's not the signing of some uh, unexpected new star the Dodgers are so laden with all-stars and uh, top flight players that they hardly need that w what they have announced is that a group called the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. They are mock nuns. Uh, it's a drag performance because all of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence are male. And uh, uh, they, they go by the motto, go out and sin some more. Uh, but uh, uh, a lot of Catholics have found that that particular organization to be insulting and anti-Catholic um, with its characterization of nuns. But in any event, the they have a pride night at Dodger Stadium, and they were going to give a special honor, a special award to the Sisters of Intelligence or Perpetual Indulgence. And then the Dodgers were under pressure from some Catholic organizations, and uh, they disinvited the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. They were still going ahead with Pride Night and a big ceremony and honoring the idea of uh, gay pride. But uh, they're going to re-invite the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. They will again be welcome at the team's annual Pride Night nearly a week after the team had receded its original invitation. The uh, statement by the Dodgers, we have asked the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to take their place on the field. What is their place on the field? <laughs> play uh, fourth base? I, I'm not sure what, what they play. Uh, we have asked the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to take their place on the field at our 10th annual LGBTQ plus 
Pride Night on June 16th. A team statement said, We are pleased to share that the sisters have agreed to receive the gratitude of our collective communities for the life-saving work that they have done tirelessly for decades. Um, So I I suspect that uh, Pride Night will be going forward with... um, Without further controversy, in L.A. at least, we'll see. Uh, meanwhile, Maricopa County Superior Court Judge Peter A. Thompson ruled yesterday that uh, Carrie Lake, the uh, Republican candidate for governor in the recent elections of 2022, uh, that uh, she had lost. She lost by almost 20,000 votes. She lost by 18,000 votes. The judge dismissed her latest challenge of her 2022 gubernatorial election. Uh, He uh, said that she failed to prove misconduct from members of any state election board, let alone misconduct that could have impacted the election results. The judge said the court does not find clear and convincing evidence of a preponderance of evidence of such misconduct did in fact affect the results of the 2022 general election by a competent mathematical basis. Um, The court ruling also confirmed that Katie Hobbs, who has been serving as governor since January, is in fact the governor of Arizona. And uh, the uh, Lake's attorney, Kurt Olson, argued that uh, questionable ballot counting and verification in Arizona shows that the 2022 election should be overturned. Uh, It is unclear whether they are now going to accept this as the final judgment, but the fact that her case was dismissed, basically thrown out of court, really does say something. And uh, there is this, the Carper retirement uh, opens a fourth uh, Democrat seat in the Senate, further endangering Schumer's majority. That's the headline in just the news. And Senate Democrats keep retiring because they know they're going to lose the majority. That's what the spokesman for the National Republican Senate uh, Committee said after Tom Carper's retirement. Uh, He is almost surely going to be replaced by uh, Lisa Blunt Rochester, who is the only member of the House of Representatives from Delaware. Delaware is one of those states, like Vermont is another one, uh, where Alaska used to be, I guess it still is, Uh, Alaska is another one. We have only one member of the House. And Lisa Blunt Rochester is um, very popular in Delaware. Uh, She's African-American. Uh, She has been the House member from Delaware for a while. She is likely to be the successor. She is a Democrat. But um, meanwhile, in Maryland, right next door, Ben Cardin has also retired. Uh, Michigan's Debbie Stabenow has retired. Uh, Dianne Feinstein, if uh, she even lasts until the time of the election uh, in her service in the U.S. Senate, Diane Feinstein is retiring. So there are all of these Democratic Senate seats that uh, 
uh, are supposed to be defended. And, and of course, there's also a problem for Democrats with uh, uh, Kirsten Sinema, who is running uh, presumably as an independent, but she is not going to be, at best, she would be elected as an independent, not as a Democrat. The, the Democrats have great vulnerability, there's no question about it, when it comes to the Senate the Senate uh, campaigns that are going to be coming up and determine the control of that uh, part of our government. Uh, the um, uh, Fox News reporting on how Ron DeSantis is supposed to announce his candidacy for president in an unconventional way. Uh, listen, clip one. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis will announce his candidacy for president tomorrow. Let's bring in Brett Baer, anchor and executive editor of Special Report. Brett, we hear that the announcement is going to take place 6 p.m. tomorrow night in a Twitter space conversation that Ron DeSantis will have with Elon Musk. Wow. <laughs> it doesn't get much bigger yeah, than that. That's one way to do it. It doesn't get much bigger than that, <laughs> really. Uh, they could be going up on the SpaceX, right, or uh, going up to the space station where they have a bunch of Saudi astronauts who are visiting right now. They do. Uh, that would be bigger, uh, but that won't happen. So the very latest with the ongoing debt ceiling crisis, we will bring you up to date on that. Uh, we will also be talking about why is it true that the more the left attacks Trump, the stronger he gets in the Republican Party. We'll get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show. Yesterday, Tim Scott announced his candidacy for President of the United States. The announcement of candidacy was uh, treated well. There was a positive editorial in the Wall Street Journal, very positive coverage in the New York Times. Uh, generally, it was hard to watch that, that event without being uh, encouraged by it. It was a positive tone, a very patriotic tone. And uh, one of the things that a number of the uh, people commenting on the shape of the race with uh, Ron DeSantis uh, getting ready to jump into the race tomorrow is uh, that in terms of the, uh, the announcement yesterday by Tim Scott, one of the advantages he has is a whole pile of money. And it's not because he's a rich guy. He's not. Uh, he had an insurance agency at, at one point, a real estate business, but he's not somebody who's made a, a pile of cash. He's uh, living on a U.S. senator's salary, which is not astronomical. But in any event, he, uh, he just got some help from a very wealthy guy, the tech billionaire Larry Ellison of Oracle fame, is preparing... <clears throat> to spend uh, millions of dollars 
it says in Hotline, backing Tim Scott's presidential bid. He uh, just handed $30 million to Opportunity Matters Fund, the pro-Scott super PAC, uh, during the 2022 midterm cycle. And a person close to the tech billionaire suggested that that number could double this time around. Uh, another $60 million? He has $22 million in cash in his campaign right now, which is more than anybody else. Now, DeSantis, with some of the aligned campaigns, has more with some of his packs and super packs. But uh, Tim Scott is, is in this game. And so, uh, reports hotline, is maybe, just maybe, Another big name that could shake up the race, uh, Virginia Governor Glenn Youngkin is reconsidering whether to run for president after previously suggesting that he wouldn't make a White House bid in 2024. Some powerful GOP donors who won't support former President Trump and are beginning to be concerned about the viability of Florida Governor Ron DeSantis are uh, encouraging Youngkin to jump into the 2024 uh, field and are offering to provide financial backing for his candidacy. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, the debt ceiling crisis, CBS reports on uh, Biden and uh, what, what really has been a less than inspiring effort by the president of the United States to reassure the country, to reassure the markets and the business community about what's going on. Uh, This is clip 16. Both sides say that discussions have been productive, but they also agree that there is still a lot of work to do. And with the clock ticking, one of the biggest challenges now is actually meeting that deadline to avoid a default. Exactly why President Biden changed his plans to buy more time. I'm cutting my trip short. President Biden's decision to ditch Australia in Papua New Guinea so he can rush back to Washington underscores how little time is left to reach a deal on the debt ceiling. The U.S. could run out of money to pay its bills as soon as June 1st, 15 days away. Default is not an option. America pays its debts, pays its bills. Yesterday, the president's meeting with congressional leaders did not end with an agreement. We're having a wonderful time. Everything's going well. (laughs) But they're inching closer. The structure of of, um, how we negotiate has improved. So it now gives you a better opportunity. A better opportunity to do what? Maybe to reach agreement. But if they do reach agreement, uh, Pramila Jayapal, who is one of the leaders of the ultra-liberal progressive faction, in the House of Representatives, she represents downtown Seattle. Uh, Representative Jayapal was on the steps of the Capitol with a number of her colleagues and predicting a huge backlash in the streets, something comparable to the Black Lives Matter reaction to the killing of George Floyd. If what? If the White House reaches an agreement? And what would be wrong with that agreement? Here is uh, Congresswoman Jayapal. I think there would be a huge backlash from our entire uh, House Democratic, you know, caucus, certainly the progressives, but also in the streets. You know, I mean, I think that this is 
It's important that we don't take steps back from the very strong agenda that the president himself shepherded and led over the last two years. Well, that agenda is not popular. And when you say no, that we don't take steps back, uh, then in other words, it's better to actually go into this default situation where you don't know if your Social Security checks are going to be in the mail. Uh, I think Newt Gingrich maybe a little bit exaggerates the potential impact of a, a default which he avoided. He had, uh, remember, there were government shutdowns with uh, when he was Speaker of the House and Bill Clinton was president. They worked him out. And uh, if they don't work him out this time, if we do have a default, what's the impact going to be on uh, President Biden? Here's what Newt Gingrich has to say. Clip five. Inch by inch, gradually, the Biden team has come to recognize if there's a default, it's going to go down in history as the Biden default. It's going to end his presidential campaign for 2024, uh, and it's unacceptable. So he's going to have to get somewhere. Kevin McCarthy, the speaker, has done a great job so far of setting a series of goals that the conservatives uh, really want and refusing to back off of the core of those goals. Is it going to be 100 percent of what they passed out of the House? No, it never was for us either. But is it going to be 80 percent? Probably. And I believe, first of all, that the June 1 deadline is not anything like a crisis. They, I've watched Treasury for over 30 years. They can find a way to keep things going for a while. Second, I think that it's very, very important that Senator, that Speaker McCarthy is such a dramatic contrast with Speaker Pelosi. Remember, she once said, you have to vote for it to find out what's in it. Okay, uh, I don't think there's any question. I think Newt is right. I think that McCarthy has done a fine job. And here is Speaker McCarthy on the status of the debt talks, clip six. Okay. And again, that is uh, taking a different point of view from some other Republicans saying that we've got to pass it and move it to the Senate and get it done this week. Uh, what that means is they're taking the June 1st deadline very seriously. Uh, what would be the long-term impact if they don't get an agreement, if this drags on and on and on? It's also a peculiar time for uh, Ron DeSantis to schedule his announcement. Uh, we will have uh, both Republican and Democratic commentary on what the deadline of June 1st means. And uh, coming up, why uh, does the more that the left attacks President Trump the more that the right instinctively rallies behind him. Is that going to be the shape of the whole campaign? We'll get to that and more coming up on the Medved Show. Are you always tired with Medved Show? And on the Michael Medved show, uh, a 19-year-old Missouri man was arrested uh, late last night 
after he rammed a, a U-Haul truck into security barriers at the White House in an alleged attempt to kill Joe Biden. Uh, okay, I, look, I understand Joe Biden has a very low approval rating, but uh, ramming a security fence with a U-Haul truck, rented U-Haul truck, truck. The, uh, the culprit was named Sai Varshith Kandula of Chesterfield, Missouri, and he was taken into custody at the scene. He's facing multiple charges, including assault with a dangerous weapon, reckless operation of a motor vehicle, <clears throat> the threat to kill, kidnap, or inflict bodily harm on a president, vice president, or family, destruction of federal property, and trespassing. After crashing the vehicle, Kandula reportedly jumped out of the van and started joyously waving a Nazi flag. It was a homemade Nazi flag, but the same idea, big red banner with a great big black swastika on it. The teenager, remember he's 19, allegedly flew from St. Louis to Dulles Airport in Washington, D.C., and then rented the U-Haul truck as part of a poorly executed plan to take over the U.S. government. This is uh, <laughs> the uh, summary from American Greatness magazine, and when they describe it as a poorly executed plan to take over the U.S. government, I, I think this qualifies, yes. Candola, uh, the culprit, told the FBI he wanted to overthrow the U.S. government, kill Joe Biden, and take over himself. The teenager has been charged with 18 uh, U.S. Code uh, number 179, Section 879, for threatening someone protected by the Secret Service and faces up to five years in prison. The incident happened just before 10 p.m. and prompted an evacuation at the nearby Hay Adams Hotel. Chris Aboji was a witness to the crash. He posted a brief video to social media showing the truck driving into the barriers. The video was verified via Reuters. After crashing once, Zaboji said the driver hit the barricades a second time. Zaboji, who took the video, is an airline pilot who lives in Washington. He said he had just finished jogging on the National Mall and was walking home when he heard a loud kaboom, a loud crash. I looked back and saw that the U-Haul van had rammed into the barricade. I looked back behind a guy on a golf cart and took the video on my phone. After I saw it rammed again, I didn't want to be anywhere near the truck, and I left. And uh, a another eyewitness named Melanie Alnanowick, actually, she's not an eyewitness. She's a reporter for Fox. Uh, she said, uh, Justin, the driver of the U-Haul that tried to crash through Lafayette Park is charged with threatened to kill, kidnap, inflict harm on a President VP family member. We saw a Nazi flag, duct tape, and a notebook with pages and pages of writing retrieved from the truck. Uh, this is uh, an interesting story uh, because... Well, again, uh, we will find out more about the background of this ambitious uh, Nazi who uh, is this. This is past any sort of anniversary of the Beer Hall Putsch of 1923 or anything like that. 
And uh, again, uh, while he's busy trying to kill Biden, uh, the possibility of a uh, default by the United States government and uh, people in our military not getting their paychecks, uh, retirees not getting Social Security, not getting Medicare checks, all of those possibilities are pretty serious. And uh, the Democrat Jim Clyburn, one of the senior Democrats in the House from representing South Carolina, uh, spoke about the debt limitation negotiations, and he brought up this whole idea of using the 14th Amendment, misusing it to get Joe Biden out of this jam. That is clip number three. The president has made it very clear that he would like to have a bipartisan resolution of this. Uh, he says that, knowing full well as I do, that the 14th Amendment is still there, and as president of the United States, he has some authority uh, to use it. Okay, he really doesn't. I mean, the 14th Amendment solution, what it says is that the full faith and credit of the United States government must be maintained. But it doesn't give the president a mechanism to uh, go above a debt ceiling. That debt ceiling bill was installed in 1917 in the midst of the spending for World War One. And by the way, I think it's a stupid law and it should be changed. But you can't just wish it to be changed because it of the 14th Amendment. Republican economist uh, Bruce Bartlett was on with Joy Reid on MSNBC and talked about what is so difficult and so risky about letting this default and uh, government shutdown uh, continue to march forward. Listen, this is clip seven. Well, I think we all know what would happen if we defaulted on our mortgage, let us say. If we ever tried to get another mortgage, we'd have to pay a premium, a higher interest rate to compensate the lender for the risk that we might default again. That's what's going to happen if we default on our debt next week. The United States government, the Treasury Department, will pay higher interest rates forever. Uh, we, we actually have experience with this. In 1979, there was a technical default because Treasury's computers didn't work properly. Ten years later, uh, economists calculated that interest rates were still higher because of that one brief incident. And if we do it again because of a policy difference between the White House and Congress, I think the situation would be vastly worse. Uh, yeah, it uh, could be very bad indeed. We went over some of the possible results yesterday. I, again, one can only hope that uh, uh, Kevin McCarthy continues to be on top of this and helps lead the president away from the precipice. Uh, speaking of the president, uh, apparently the Biden campaign still expects that uh, their 
going to be the uh, uh, Biden and Harris will be the nominees for president and vice president and uh, that they will be facing off against Donald Trump. Donald Trump and it's unclear who the vice presidential nominee is going to be, though I think it's extremely unlikely that it becomes uh, Mike Pence this time. Uh, Jeffrey Lord, who is a longtime uh, Trump uh, supporter, enthusiastic Trump supporter, uh, has an interesting piece about why all of the various legal threats to Trump, the coming indictments from Georgia regarding overturning that election, the uh, Jack Smith uh, prosecutorial investigations that uh, may lead to new indictments regarding uh, classified papers being taken and stored at Mar-a-Lago and mishandled, not returned when they were asked for by the National Archives. Uh, that is a real possibility for President Trump. And then, of course, his role in encouraging uh, the overturning of an election and fake electors and all the rest of it. As Jeffrey Lord sees it, uh, the uh, all of these cases actually help President Trump. And uh, again, uh, the polling seems to indicate that it does. Uh, President Trump, who had something like a 10 or 15 point lead, uh, if that, against uh, Ron DeSantis, uh, now has uh, leads, according to the Real Clear Politics average of polls, has leads that uh, really are close to 40 percent, 40 points. So what is the secret of uh, Trump's strength through scandal? We'll talk about that coming right up uh, with Jeffrey Lord. And then uh, later we'll be talking about what is Zionism? Is it really something having to do with racism? About that and then the history of American presidents and where our current contenders fit in. That and much more in this greatest nation on God's green earth.